Uh, oh, there we go. There we go. Now it's started. Getting after it, man. How are we doing? Fantastic. How are you? Good, good. How was the day? It was good. It just ended. I mean, it's, not actually, it's actually not over. It's not over. It's never but over. It, no, you know how it is. It's great. This is a new uh, setup for you. You got the headphones. You got the mic. Yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll tell you right now. I did a something on this. It's interesting that this is called Riverside, this podcast podcast. Uh, platform or whatever it is um it makes me feel very comfortable and at home but i would say i i did this uh maybe yesterday or i think the day before but i did it from my home and i did it with pods and it just it just didn't flow so as i was finishing up my last patient i um i sent somebody out i said go get me some headphones with a wire with a speaker and and you're looking at the new and improved JMA. This was just yesterday? Just a minute ago. Two days. Like, like, they got me two. They got me this one. I, I, nothing to disclose. I don't know this one. And yeah, then they, yeah, got yeah. Me, they got me this one. This is what I got. I'm, I don't think it's great, but this is what I'm using. I mean, it's, it sounds great. And this, I don't know. You tell me how I sound, but it's working. It sounds, it sounds pretty good. I mean, we're up to about 1995 now, I would say. So. <laughs> Dude, I'm going to be 50 next month. Give me a, give me a little bit what? of a break. Yeah. Actually, I was looking for for quick photos of you, and I found one from this. Might have been going back twenty years. Like your hair was cut like a buzz cut, super short. Maybe just maybe. just a Google stock photo. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, things. Uh, you know, hair comes in. I've had a man bun. I've had a, like not not quite a crew cut, but pretty short hair. I've had I had the mullet in high school, which you guys don't even know. No, about. you did not. Yeah, yeah, full mullet. I grew up on Long Island, full. Mullet. Yeah. It was great. I grew up on Long Island too. We didn't have mullets. You're like 20 years <laughs> younger than I am. The kids today though, I will tell you, the kids today, the kids say the teenage, I have teenage kids. The teenage, the guys have essentially what are considered, what I would consider front mullets. Their hair is long and down and, and they can't see at all. And they just have hair in front of their face and short in the back doesn't make sense to me but i've been seeing it where it comes out almost like a duck bill and then it yep. goes back yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, i've been yeah. seeing that i was yeah, gonna yeah. say i was glad you pointed out you saw the the riverside this is uh the second time you i did like a test run the other day but uh this was like the opening where i'm i'm trying this out i got some new equipment yeah we're here we're on you, i'm here with you, you this is great you sound great you sound, you sound wonderful what's the mic this is just uh it's like a japanese brand 50 bucks 50 bucks amazon I've arrived in two days. You can't beat that. That's impressive. No, no, no. You can't beat that. Is this, are we live? Like, is this a live thing or I'm, this is not live? So I did put in a link for people to join. So Riverside is cool. You know how Zoom, it's like you have the speakers, the host, and then you yeah. have like the audience. Riverside is cool because you have speaker, you have guest speaker, and then you have audience. Okay. So I, I put the audience link up, but you have the guest link. Uh, Megan has the guest link. And then... Obviously, we, we're, we both have the guest links and then went from there. Yeah. So, I mean, it should be live. It's not live on YouTube. I don't have it live on Instagram, but it's live okay. on Riverside. So, okay. So, I mean, ultimately, this you will post this and you'll do a whole thing with it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was going right. to post it to YouTube podcast. We'll, we'll Dude, see. I'm so excited. It's great. I can't wait. I'm going to be famous. It's so good. <laughs> so I'm good. trying to be like you, Dr. Abbott. <laughs> Come on. Come on. You got this. So let's start. Take it what was this? That I just yeah. saw on your your story today. You just posted a new opening of a facility. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. We 
a couple of years back, we opened a second, well, we acquired a second location in Edison, New Jersey. It's like uh, central New Jersey. Um, and we, we were working out of a great, but somewhat antiquated office for a few year, a couple of years. Um, the office was originally owned by a guy named Michael Kleiman, who is like a giant at Amos and in New Jersey, uh, in oral surgery as well. Um, and he actually does our compliance, our chart compliance right now. He's since retired from clinical practice. But mm. basically, we we worked with this amazing company, uh, Medical Dental Build, and they and they, uh, they Jeff Silverberg and his team did an amazing de- uh, job. The building is uh, about four thousand square feet. We have six outfitted ops there, two surgeons working out of that location, and it's you know it. it as I would, I think of it as kind of the, the premier oral maxillofacial surgery facility in New Jersey. We have one similar in Englewood. We're about to build one in our West Orange location, um, but they're 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 large, advanced, efficiently run. You know, it's it's not a Riverside commercial, although I hope to some degree it is. But I mean, it's it's basically it's an exceptional facility. It really is great. Say, it looks pretty clean from the pictures I saw. I scrolled through a little bit there. It's looking pretty clean. It's looking smooth. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah well great. done. Did you Thank design you. it? Uh, I'm definitely part of it. It's funny. Now that we have as many locations as we do, I, I have a woman, Lynn Caritas, who was introduced to me. She uh, was the wife of a dentist, um, and she was an interior, is an interior designer. She did my first office. She has been amazing for us. And it's, you know, all the finishes are, are essentially the same now. It's just a matter of figuring out the layout and all that. We work with Benko. They supply all of our stuff. And we've been working with them for about 20 years. And uh, and they've done a great job for us. And, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm i crazy. I'm like an attention to detail. I see every little thing. Yeah, I, ne- I never negotiate price ever, ever. I always negotiate. I always basically say, I won't negotiate your price. You're going to tell me what you want me to spend, but I'm going to see the millimeter or the the degree, the angle. Like the, I'll look at the miter and I'll be like, you're off by a degree or two. And, you know, obviously as a, as a surgeon, you, you got to be focused on the details. And I think that patients pick up on that. I think, you know, I, I always say like attention to every detail uh, implies attention to any detail, right? Or the or the other way around. Basically, if you're paying attention to the quality of the toilet paper, you're probably going to pay attention to the angle of your implant. I mean, it's just basically the way I see. So it. you're telling me you have the most expensive toilet paper in the game? That's we don't mess telling. around. I'm saying we don't mess around. Two ply, three ply. I go with nine ply. Yeah, <laughs> nine ply. Nine ply. You're in and out. Two swipes. Yeah. That's it. Two <laughs> That's wipes. it. Easy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's good stuff. And congratulations. I mean, Max is now open. The surgical specialist, right? Like, so now yep. you're kind of really getting to the, you're, you just up the notch, like, like big time. Yep. So now you are CEO of that, correct? Co-CEO. Yeah. So basic. so I'll, I'll explain what Max is. So, you know, I started Riverside Oral Surgery in 2007. We grew it to a number of practices and consolidated it down. We have nine Riversides now. We, we had been talking, you know, like it, we were pretty well positioned in New Jersey. At the time, we had 12 locations, two in Edison, two in Livingston. So again, we consolidated those practices. Uh, That's why we have nine now. And we were spoken to by like every DSO, anyone who was looking to make an investment in oral maxillofacial surgery, multi-specialty groups, like the stuff you see on on the the journal and all that kind of stuff. And 
it, none of those situations made sense to me. I, I vowed never, ever to sell my practice that I worked so hard to build to a general dental DSO. I just didn't think it was in my why? best why? interest. I respect that. Why? Yeah. Why? Because I think, I think oral maxillofacial surgery is a very special specialty. I think it is the best specialty in medicine or dentistry period in healthcare. And I think... Um, you know, general dentistry has been to some degree commoditized. And I think it's an unfortunate thing for the population at large. I think it's unfortunate for the younger dentists. And um, I think it's, a, you know, listen, it's been a pretty good business for these guys, you know, the, the private equity guys over time. But I don't think that there's the same type of clinical leadership within many of the, of the general dental DSOs. Listen, I mean, some of these businesses are tremendous. And these guys know much more than I do about big business. But for me, it was very important to stay true to what was important, which is the delivery of clinical care, excellent outcomes, patient experience, these kinds of things. And I think that we as dental specialists, dental medical specialists, surgeons, whatever, that we understand this in a different way. So I, I vowed never to sell to a general dental DSO. So that was off the table to me from the very beginning. Um, and then it was like these larger, already well-established kind of national oral surgery brands like U.S. Oral Surgery or Beacon or Paradigm or any of these larger groups that had been in existence. And to me, I really didn't feel like for us, it worked to be just like a plug and play to get acquired by this big thing um, and really not have a seat at the table or, or a voice to, to, to talk about like where we're going and, and why certain things should be. And I... And frankly, I thought I did things pretty well. And I think to not have a voice would have been something that wouldn't have worked for me to come in and just you know take teeth out all day. Um, I also didn't really understand how endodontists vis-a-vis endo one, I'm like ripping everyone now, which is horrible. But basically, I, I didn't understand how endodontists, you know, they, they tell me like, your specialty is our specialty. I think endodontists are exceptional at what they do. In fact, some of them, the best ones, practice right here in northern New Jersey and in the city. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that I think oral surgery and endodontics are different specialties. And I think it's okay that we're different specialties and we functionally are different and we, and, you, know, we you know, we look at things a little bit differently. So I went about finding outside investors who believed in our vision. Um, and I partnered with Oral Surgery Group, three offices, six surgeons down, down in in central New Jersey. And we basically formed uh, a, a, a platform that was designed to support oral maxillofacial surgeons led by oral maxillofacial surgeons with a clinical advisory board that is only oral maxillofacial surgeons, meaning all of the clinical decisions are 100% ours, that there is there's autonomy there, that the practices maintain their independence because so all of healthcare is local. You can scale only so much, you, meaning you can scale to a million practices, but the culture of an individual practice needs to be maintained. The way that the practice speaks to and relates with their referring doctors needs to be maintained. The population that you serve in any one geographic location is different than a different population. You can't, you can't just do everything in, in, in a vacuum, assuming that just because it contributes to EBITDA or whatever it is, that it's better because it needs to be slightly different in every, in every situation. There's so much nuance that goes into practice. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Now, are you solely oral surgery? Because you kind of didn't so, define that in the name. 
Yeah, so, solely oral surgery. So it's I mean, so it's max surgical specialty management. Max as a nod to maxillofacial. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have the full scope. We have um, multiple fellowship trained surgeons. Basically, every subspecialty is is. Uh, part of what we do, we have head and neck, we have cleft and craniofacial, we have cosmetics, we have, I think maybe I've said this to you, we have uh, a young guy who's doing a TMJ fellowship out in, in Arkansas. We have, mm-hmm. you know, we, 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 we focus on literally everything. We've got guys with a ton of uh, experience on the state board, ton of experience at Amos, guys like myself who do, you know, more dental alveolar than probably most. Um, and, and I think that like we all have these like complementary skill sets but a common vision and a very significant pride in what we do. I mean, we love, you know, I mean, maybe it comes through with bloody tooth guy. I mean, I love oral surgery. I love it. I think it's great. People say to me like, why are you still practicing? You've got all these practices. Like, what are you doing? I mean, I would never stop. I, I, I don't, there's no purpose in me to stopping oral surgery. I love doing it. Love working with patients. Some of the, you know, some of the day-to-day stuff gets a little frustrating at times, but basically, you know, I love doing what I do. Love of course. It. I respect yeah. that so much. One, that you're taking ownership over the space. You're not just letting some someone else come from another career path come in and just walk all over. I really, I really appreciate that. And another thing is that you're not just stepping away. This isn't just for you to get behind a desk and watch from afar. You're still no. in it. How many days a week do you work now or does it alternate? Three and a three and a half days a week. So I, I do I do meetings on Mondays. Um, I do meetings every night. I actually work considerably harder now than I did before. Um, it's a decision I make made. Uh, you know, people talk about work-life balance. I've spoken about this on other podcasts. I don't think that's a thing for me. I I am, you know, 150% dedicated to what I do professionally. I love both sides of it. So Mondays I do meetings um, all day long. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursday, all day I see patients. Fridays I see patients till two. And then at night I'm doing, you know, what we call business development meetings. So I'm meeting surgeons that we want to partner with, or I'm meeting, I just, as before I hung up with you, I, I met a young woman who's uh, finishing her residency, interviewing her for a position. Uh, I do that a lot. Of course, I still go out with dentists who refer me patients and vendors. And last night I was at this, uh, you know, the opening. So there's, uh, there's always something. And then I'd like to see my children from time to time. That's, that's, uh, that's the most important thing, although to them, sometimes it might not feel that way, but it's absolutely the most important thing. So, you know, weekends and, and, and nights, that's what I'm doing. Once, once a know. month, you'll see, see the kids once yeah, a month. Well, you know, every now and then. I saw both my daughters last weekend. That was nice. And my little one's home. She's still home in high school. So that's good. Okay. Gotcha. 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 My big one, my big one's in college. She's a sophomore. At, and now, uh, Michigan. Wait. Oh, Michigan, Michigan. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. How many are in yeah. college? Sorry, how many? I have, I have two. Do- I have two daughters. One in college, one in high school. Oh, two, two and then two one. children. No, no, no. What? Two children. Two, do- two, both of which are daughters, and one's in college, one's in high school. Where the one in high school? Where is she looking to go to school? Maybe Syracuse. I went to Syracuse undergrad. So, so we went up there. My big one flew, surprised us all in in, uh, in Syracuse, and my little one loved it. So, we'll see. Cues. I mean, she's killing it in high school, so I, I don't know. We'll, I, I don't know. We'll see what, what she wants to do. I mean, Sounds I'm, like she takes after you. Well, no, she's smarter than I am. And, yeah, she's also cuter. 
So, <laughs> so maybe Syracuse. You, do, yeah. do either yeah. of them like dentistry at all? No, not at all. My big one is uh, she's a psych major, mental health or law. Actually, either one. And my little one is all about fashion. So we'll 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 see we'll see what goes on. But they're both amazing together and in their own right and it's 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 special so it's good stuff did did you steer them away at all or or not at all not at all oh, okay I mean, okay maybe they were steered away by the fact that i was not around that much you know i was working all the time um you know listen I, you find a lot of a lot of people whose parents are in healthcare end up not in healthcare because they see the grind and all of that uh you know they end up usually in finance but uh, it's so they, true. Yeah, it's so do. true. They do. But I don't think my kids will be in finance. Although you never know. I, I, I don't know. For me, I again, I really believe oral maxillofacial surgery is the best job I could have. I love it. I love working with my hands. I love working with people. I love the mental challenge. I love being able to build a business around it. I, I love it all. I love it all. I mean, I'm very lucky to have found it. Yeah. And now, I mean, so it's still the work-life balance, like you said, Yeah, you're still going Monday through Friday hard. So you're really in the clinic three to three and a half days a week, but you are on, it sounds like from the get-go sunrise yep. to yep. Yeah, sundown, because you're doing yep. meetings at the end of the days. Um, now, my question with that is, because I'm noticing this with residency, um, not to talk about residency, I don't want to go there, but no, the work-life balance difference, I feel like and maybe this motivates you, if you agree, is that now you're kind of working more for you, for your patients, for the practice. You're building relationships with other dentists, other oral surgeons, meeting someone like the resident you said you interviewed with prior versus in, in the hospital setting residency. I feel like you're just you're constantly working for the hospital and kind of getting pulled from other things, whether it be studying. Um, have you have you found that it it's trying to it's translated to a better aspect when you started working for yourself? Yeah, well, listen, I, I think. Residency is a time that you really only appreciate when you could look back at it. Um, you know, you, you guys, your generation is a lot more um, introspective than I think that maybe we were. I think, I don't know why that is, but you really are. Um, and so maybe you're seeing the benefit that you can derive by the things that you're doing now. But, but when I was a resident, I was, I was angry. I was, I was frustrated. I, I was, you know, I, I, I I had, in, I was not very happy day to day. Um, and, and I vowed like, so I trained, you may know this, but I don't know that everybody does. I, I, I went to NYU for dental school. I trained at Kings County hospital, which is kind of the epicenter of interpersonal violence in, in 1999, right? So 1999, if you were going to, um, be in some sort of physical altercation, you probably would be brought to either Bellevue, uh, or, uh, or Kings County. So if you're in Manhattan, you're going to Bellevue. If you're, if you're in Brooklyn, you're going to Kings County. And so we saw a lot of, uh, angry patients and, and it, I think it kind of rubbed off on us and, and it was, it was a difficult thing. And I think, you know, like I didn't, my, my eyes were open to a lot of things and I was a young kid. I, I finished training. I was 29 years old. I finished training. I was 29. I went four years of undergrad, four years of dental school, four years of residency, straight, straight, straight. So I was still, a, I really was immature. And, you know, again, I was not worldly. I didn't travel the world. I didn't, you didn't, you weren't exposed to all kinds of things and different think, ways of thinking. I at least wasn't. And so, yeah, I mean, I was, I was embittered when I was in residency and I came out and, and it took me a little while to kind of lose that, lose that and become more of like a, 
uh, an empathetic human being. And, and, and I was, I'm happy that I did because it's carried me pretty far, but at that time, you know, yeah, residency's tough. It's, it's tough, even though, and if you ask people in my generation, we'll say you guys are, you're soft. Cause you, you're like, you take all this vacation, all this kind of stuff, but <laughs> it's, it's still, it's still, you're busting your ass and you're, and you're not completely appreciated. And you're, you're like, you have a lot of headwinds in every conversation you have, whether it's with a patient or the, or the staff that's, that's there to help you, but you know, has been in that situation five times as long as you have. And like, you know, maybe aren't as responsive as the, as you would like them to be at the time. Mm -hmm. And so it's, um, it's a tough role to be in, but it prepares you for really difficult things ahead and life gets better. I mean, you've heard me say that too, probably mm -hmm. like life just keeps getting better at 50. I, I, I can't imagine how much better it's going to get from here. I, so my back hurts more I'm fatter, but other than that, like I feel pretty good. That's all that matters, right? That yeah, you yeah. feel good. Yeah. And I mean, you've been making so much, so many milestones you're hitting here. I mean, now, now how many practices? So you said down to nine now, cause you so were, we have, well, nine Riverside, there are 16 locations within max. Um, we have 25 surgeons. Uh, and, and, you know, part of that is we, we pride ourselves. We have, we, I, I, we have a lot of diversity among our surgeons and of course our whole team. That's a huge, huge thing for us, for me in particular. Um, you know, we have women, we have, you know, people from different cultures and, 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 and backgrounds. And, and for me, that's a really special thing because I talk about the fact that we all have these different perspectives and different um, uh, skill sets, like complementary skill sets that we have that, but we're all focused on the same thing. But the fact is, is that we also bring diversity of thought from our different experiences in, in life. And I talk about the fact that, you know, look, I, I'm from, I'm a kid from Long Island, right? So my entire life has been Long Island, New York City, Syracuse, Jersey, like, come on, like, there's not much, you know, it's not a pretty straightforward. Right, not a lot. <laughs> I mean, I've traveled now that I've gotten older, but I mean, as an example, we talk again about, you know, like our generation versus my generation versus yours. Like, we didn't really travel the world until we were older, right? You guys, and it, and this is a debatable concept. It's like, who has it right, right? Like, bust your ass, do what you got to do, earn it for all those years, not enjoy your life. And then like finally get to a point where you can enjoy your life or enjoy all, all along to some degree, obviously you're, you're busting your butt. There's no question about it, but like, you know, I think maybe your generation has it a little bit better that like maybe live a little bit for today. Maybe you could do a little, a little more. more yeah. But like a little bit for today also is, is definitely a good thing. I, I, I think that, to some degree, it's probably somewhere between our generations what the right answer is, if there is such a thing. True, true. Yeah. I, I see what you mean by that. Mm. I, I definitely see what you mean by that. As far as uh, one thing I actually want to ask you personally, as far as Max goes, are you only doing practices? You're recruiting surgeons to come in to practices. Are you buying the real estate underneath? Are you just doing the offices and the business? Okay, so, so Max as an organization, um, partners with practices we're, we're actually looking specifically for you know market leaders progressive practices we're not looking to acquire like retiring guys when i was buying practices as riverside we were buying practices kind of the model was i would find a 
uh, a surgeon at the end of or close to the end of his mostly his but his or her career um and they had generally a good reputation but maybe there was a knock maybe their office was antiquated or there wasn't enough technology or maybe they weren't marketing or whatever it was we'd find a young surgeon that fit in that proper practice and we would we would update the space we'd put technology into it we'd market it and we could build that practice that way um now we're looking for practices that are partner practices so we need people who are just as determined to take this profession to the next space, right? We know mm-hmm. what's happening. There's consolidation going on in oral maxillofacial surgery. And you could either be like on, like, there. It, DSO has this like negative connotation, corporate dentistry, negative connotation, whatever it is. But it's all, the, the organization is all about the people. There are corporations that are really made up of like good people, good culture and and great places to work like riverside oral surgery is an nj best place to work best that's not we didn't vote for that that's voted on by our team members right so i think that when we look for people we look for the right people the right type of not i think that's what we're doing we're looking for the right type of people um so yeah i mean that's that's kind of what we're doing now And, and i know you're a man of vision yeah. As far as where we're going, five, 10, 20 years, perhaps, and may, maybe maybe you haven't thought through the whole roadmap yet, but just maybe to shed some insight, because I'm I've been I'm really I, I want to know. <laughs> yeah, um, I so I do think there's going to be further consolidation in oral surgery. Um, I think that you're going to see, like anything, that the 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 strong brands will rise, and I think that in certain markets, like the New York market and I consider New Jersey part of the New York market, where you have a very sophisticated uh, healthcare client, patient, shopper of the you know, user of healthcare, there is always going to be room for um, other entrants, other people coming into the market, right? But at mm-hmm. the same, but at the same time, it becomes more and more expensive. A lot of young guys, uh, men and women coming out with a ton of debt, right? Both, undergraduate debt, dental school debt, medical school debt. And then of course, with high interest rates and like buying homes and things like that, it's just, things are very expensive. So you guys are commanding a lot of money right out of residency. And if you, and, and deservedly so, and you're coming out of residency. And if you think about it from a business owner's perspective, to pay somebody what you want and what you deserve, it not only is your salary, but it's the cost of, of, supporting you and all mm-hmm. of the fringe benefits and all of those things, it becomes a, a pretty heavy ask for a private practice doctor to, to hire a young qualified, especially the most talented surgeons coming out, right? right? If you're coming out, you feel very positively about yourself. In order to get you to work with me, we got to pay you, right? So mm-hmm. in order to pay you, we also have to pay other people to support you. And that's a heavy lift for a single practice. It just is. And they may not have the practice of the patients to feed you to justify that. And then they end up kind of falling off. So what I think ends up happening is I think you're going to have strong brands rise to the top. Larger group practices are absolutely going to be kind of the standard. It's already happened. You see very few single practitioners out there. Um, but I do think that you're going to see 
a continuation of this process. It happened in healthcare, you know, medical healthcare, um, I think to the detriment of healthcare. But my overall vision, and again, I, you say I'm a visionary and I appreciate, you know, I'm a vision guy, sorry. I, oh yeah, oh, oh, we, all like, know it. we all know it. I, I mean, so for me, I, my vision, big picture vision, more than the practical vision of Max is to redefine the way that large scale healthcare is seen more than just oral surgery. Again, I think, you know, management service organizations, DSOs, corporate dentistry, it's seen in a very negative light. And I think that's just because of what's come before. I believe wholeheartedly there's an opportunity to change the way that this is seen. And we have to lead by example. It has to be led by the doctors. It has to be focused on patient care and outcomes and doing the right thing every single time, you know, to the point that mm. you can. And a lot of the decisions you make in practice management are counter to what would be a, the right thing by a dollars and cents perspective, right? It's impossible to measure uh, the ROI on uh, good relationships within the community. But I can tell right. you definitively right. that there's a tremendous ROI in being immersed in the community that you serve and giving back to the community that you serve and, you know, just just doing the right thing. You know, there's there are things that you can measure and there are things that are you know, they call them intangible, but they're, yes. you know, you just can't really 100% understand it. And to a finance guy, that's a challenging concept. It's abstract. You know, I think part of being a surgeon or, 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 or like say not a finance guy is that we are a little creative where, I mean, at least I see myself as a little bit more of a, I think, you know, I have the science piece, but mm -hmm. I'm a little bit of an artist in the way that I see things. Like I, 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 I don't necessarily, I can't always measure why I would do something. A lot of it is intuitive. A lot of it is, is just gut, which is the same word, different word, same concept, but basically, <laughs> uh, but basically I just feel like, you know, redefining where we're going is, is what I'm trying to do. So you say like, what do I see in the future? I, I see me succeeding in redefining the way large scale, large scale healthcare is seen. I mean, it's lofty, and it's maybe a little bit narcissistic, but it's um, it's it's what I want to do. Well, I mean, if you lead by intention and the gut feeling, and you're trying to redefine it, basically in light of the provider and the patient first, you're putting the patient and the provider first. That's right. Um, and that's how you protect that by putting the provider, the healthcare, the dentist, or oral surgeons in this case, at the top. Uh, who's your co-CEO? You said co-CEOs. So our co-CEO is a guy named Jeff Ward. Jeff Ward. So the 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 investors in Max that we partnered with are uh, two different private equity firms. One is called Med Equity. They're a, they're a boutique healthcare private equity firm out of Boston. Mm -hmm. Jeff Ward is one of the partners there. He is my co-CEO. So I'm the I'm the CEO on clinical business development, marketing, things that are that are more qualitative. And he is the CEO. The people who respond to answer to him, let's say, are finance, RCM, which is RCM, some people know this, some people don't, revenue, revenue cycle management, which in most private practices is called billing or insurance processing or whatever, but the, but the real term for it is revenue cycle management and, um, and also like uh, business operations. And so we, we actually, it works beautifully because the fact is, is that a lot of the a lot of private equity guys and I'll be ripping all private equity guys. A lot of private equity guys are very very smart 
IQ guys. They're very analytical and they, they see things that, that I didn't even conceive of when I was running my practice. Um, but Jeff Ward is, is both a unbelievably smart finance guy, but also has a really high EQ, understands people. He's been an operator. Um, he works very, very well with me. He knows what he does extremely well. I know what I do extremely well. He trusts that I'm going to make the proper decisions. I know he's going to make the, the proper decisions. And so we, and plus we have an amazing team around us. It's not just us. We have a COO, a guy named um, Jeff DeBellis, who um, has an amazing history, started out as a physical therapist. So he's a clinician. He's a deliverer of care, started his own practice, built it to three, sold it to a large PT, private equity backed physical therapy group. And came out of clinical and started becoming their director of operations for New Jersey and grew this company tremendously. We hired him before we had any outside investment. We have a chief people officer, a woman named Susan Coe, who is kind of like the head of strategy for HR and uh, development and education. We do a lot of internal development of our team and our surgeons. And she comes from GW Health, so George Washington mm. Healthcare. Um, and then we have a CFO, a guy named Paul Olson, who's got a ton of experience. So he's like my age, 50, unbelievably intelligent, like oddly so. Like he, he understands finance like like very few that I've come across. And so I don't mean he's odd. I mean, his, his, his understanding of finance is oddly amazing. And, mm -hmm. um, and then we've got a team of people who've come from Riverside, from oral surgery group, from coastal oral surgery, which are the larger practices that are part of our group. And it's, um, it's been, it's been great. It's been a ride and we got a lot going on. Coastal oral surgery? That was coastal. the group that you, the six partners in that group that you want to combine and bring into that. So that was oral surgery group. So um, Rich Stern, who was a former chief resident at NYU, who mm. took out my mm. wisdom teeth when I was uh, an NYU dental school fourth year. Um, <laughs> That's yeah. cool. So Rich is, I guess he's the managing partner of that group. It was started by a guy named Dr. Engel, Dr. Engel's son, who's now in his early sixties, but functionally is 35. His name is Phil Engel. He's there, Rich and Mike Stern and a, and a couple of other people that are exceptional surgeons. There's six people, three offices. They're great. And then we have, um, another practice that we partner with called Coastal Oral Surgery that was started uh -huh. by a guy named John Feeney and a couple of other surgeons. Um, John is a giant, giant in uh, oral surgery in, um, in New Jersey and on the, kind of on the national stage. And his son, Sean Feeney, is Feeney Pizza in, uh, he's also partners with Missy Robbins and Missy and Lilia and, you know, whatever. No so, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Sean, his son, is like an awesome dude. He's got a place in Williamsburg and a place that the, the pizza is off the charts, off the charts. He does a white slice and he does a tomato slice. He does, it's great. So go check out Feeney Pizza in Williamsburg. Feeney Pizza, how do I spell Feeney? F, well, he's, it's F-E-E-N-E-Y is the last name, but it's F-I-N-I. Feeney, like, you know, F-I-N-I. That's, how he, that's okay. how he pronounces it. I mean, that's how he spells it. It's, dude, it's crazy good. It's crazy good. The tomato pie. Get the tomato slice. Trust me. Feeny pizza. All right. All right. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure Peter Rekowicz watches. He's one of the co-residents. He loves going to Brooklyn for pizza. So I'll have yeah. to, you said Williamsburg? It's in Williamsburg. Yeah. I think it's on Bedford. I'm, I'm not positive, but it's, it's, it's worth the trip. And if you're ever out in Amagansett, go there too. 
overall Amagansett. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I, I loved Amagansett. I grew up going there. Uh, one of my grandparents. Yeah, they had a house on the water out there, and they sold it two thousand two thousand something. And oh just my been... god, that's such Every a shame. Amag- Amagansett's great. I we go there. We've been going there for uh, 10, 15 years, um, and we, we we love it. Amagansett actually is probably my like people are like oh the Hamptons, the Hamptons. Amagansett's like like downshift, not crazy greatness it's a little quieter yeah. yeah it is I it's got a it. cute little town area with a strip the ice cream parlor yep you think yep. you're gonna get a house out there you have a house out there uh maybe we'll see. i don't have a house oh out there. oh okay we, yeah, i, I we'll didn't want to we'll see we'll see um <laughs> but i don't know if you remember there's a place out there called astro pizza um which is yeah yeah so that's where finney is now um and he took that space okay so he took that over so he's yeah. bopping back in between the new york area out in amagansett yeah Got yeah. it. Got it. To, yeah. I'm a, I'm a lactose intolerant. I have to bring my my lactate. But we're working on. You it. No, working. you don't. The tomato pie is zero cheese. I'm telling you, you go, you get the tomato pie. There's these crunchies on it. Maybe a little Mike's hot oil, uh, hot honey. It's delicious. It's delicious. Sure. No like, you cheese. should go there. You should get off with me now. Get in the car. Go down. Well, an Uber and get down there. I might have to. Yeah. I just might have to. Hop on. Yeah. <laughs> you coming? So, uh, <laughs> Uh, I'll order the Uber. Maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Not tonight. Not let's, tonight. Uh, let's, how much time do you have? I want to make sure that we, we cover a few more things. Uh, I think we have plenty of time. I really do. I don't think that there's any reason. Wait, what do I Sweet. have? Give me, I'll tell you in two seconds. Uh, yeah, I have plenty of time. I'm good. So, so I saw you, you wore the, uh, the Daytona over there. And is that the baby blue dial? Yeah. Yeah. I guess your boys would go like this, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So the Daytona, I mean, you got to get on a wait list for that. How did you, was there a wait? Did you just say, I want it now? Is, uh, is there a story behind it? I, I got to know. I got to know. I'm a big watch guy too. We, we talked about this last year. Yeah. So the, the, um, I have some friends who are, who are, I, I've been buying watches for a very, a very long time. Um, you know, I started out small like everybody does and should. And, um, and, you know, as you, as you, as you grow, you have more means, you have uh, deeper relationships, and those relationships yield access. And that access gives me the ability to, when, you know, my number is called, get get a piece that, that I might want. I mean, that's basically what it comes down to. You know, I, I, I have... I have a fair number of watches. I, you know, I started out, like I said, when I was young, and it was all just kind of like my passion for watches grew, and of course, my taste for certain things grew as I, as I was able to do more. Um, there's no real story to this watch. It suffice to say that it's, it's a, I love it. I love it. But the thing about me, like anything I do, is I, I, I buy things that I like and I wear them or I use them. I'm not a collector for the sake of collecting, whether it's wine or watches or cars or, you know, anything, you know, I, I, I use my stuff. I, I wore this all day. I, I you know, I, I wear other watches that are pretty significant when I, you know, just cause that's, I, I love them. And so that's what I do. Hey, I, I mean, all your photos, let's be honest, you're wearing the Patek. So today was yeah. a Rolex day, huh? Yeah. Well, I, I was blue scrubs. So blue scrubs yields a, like the blue face. Yeah. So you I'm, do it to match. It depends. Scrubs. Yeah. You, you wouldn't seem, well, I, yeah, so th- this has a, 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 a 
blue dial and a brown bezel. And so it's not something that I would wear with the black scrubs necessarily. Uh, but my 5980 is gray face with, you know, red highlight, black, mm. kind of, you know, stainless steel. So that goes with black or blue. Um, but I don't know. Today I wanted to wear this. Sometimes I'll wear the Batman with it, or the Batgirl with this that I have. Um, I have a you know, I have a, a number of different watches that I wear. But you know, it's always a metal watch to work. That's that's the fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Number one favorite, like your all time James Bond watch, let's say, going to work. This is Dr. Auerbach at his prime. Which yeah, one I mean, which one you I, pick? You only get one of your whole collection. Yeah, the, I mean the fifty nine eighty. That's what I wear. I mean, I wear that every day. So is it, yeah. It's it's my favorite watch, and it's my it's probably my best watch. Uh, when I, it's definitely my best watch, um, and I I I love it. I mean, I wear it. I dude, I've been I you know I, multiple sporting events, multiple concerts, multiple you know I don't want to say fights, but let's call it scuffles with buddies. Like you know, like I'll wear that watch. You know, at, at any time I play sports, I, whatever I, whatever I'm doing, I, I'm wearing that watch. And so it, it's probably not the best for the watch. It's probably not going to help the resale, but there will never be a resale. It's not so, going to be a resale, so who cares? Right, right. That's my point. That, that's exactly my point. I, I don't buy things to hold on to them. You know, again, cars, wine, watches, it's all to enjoy. That's, I was talking about it with my, my, my buddies the other day where it's like a lot of people now they're buying watches and they're looking at what the resale value is. They're like, oh, don't get that Rolex. That one's going to go, that's going to depreciate. It's like, right. well, but you're wearing to wear it, right? You've been right. buying that up for how many, seven years. You're going to buy that. Now you're going to resell it in two years. What right. is that? What, what, what do you, do you, know you what, sell a watch for a while? I, I've only sold one watch once I, in my entire career. I've only sold one watch once. I, I had a, uh, a white gold day date uh, with a blue face that was a gorgeous watch, but I didn't have the emotional connection to it. And so when I had the opportunity to buy this, I actually sold that. And so mm. that, that is, you know, that's the only watch I've sold. I, I, I don't se- I don't sell things. Maybe I guess to some degree of a detriment. I mean, I have old watches that probably aren't worth much that I probably could sell, but I, I, I just I, I don't I don't sell things. I don't, I don't look to buy. The last handful of years, and this is actually a little bit of a kind of a an unfortunate reality for for people your age. The last couple of years has not been really representative of like normal life, right? Everything mm-hmm. was appreciating. You look at what happened with with, with crypto and NFTs and watches secondary watch market in house housing prices low low interest rates you could buy shit you could borrow you could like it, things were different people talk about how high interest rates are now when i bought my first house which was not the first abode i bought but it was the first home i bought um it was 2006 and my mortgage was like seven percent it was what it is now and everyone talks mm-hmm. about how high interest rates were um for when my parents were buying their home in the 1970s, and again, we're talking about a different time, but I mean, everything repeats itself. Interest rates were in the teens. They were mm. very, very high. You can go and buy a CD at four and get 14%, but your mortgage rate might've been 17%. Or, I mean, it was, it was, it was crazy. Nowadays, mortgage rates are 7% or even more in some cases, if your credit's not so great. And then yeah. you have, and then you have, you know, you can go and put money in a money market and get 5% before, Two years ago, there was you couldn't put your money in a bank. You're getting like a percentage of a percentage, and right, and you right. you know 
So other weird stuff was appreciating. And like sneakers, like all these high school kids who were selling sneakers, right, on StockX. Mm. They were buying and they had amassed these sneaker collections with this hope of, and you know how many kids are holding sneakers right now that are worth a lot. shit? A lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're worth shit. Because there was a, this concept, and actually it's not my idea, although it is an idea of mine, uh, of like Warren Buffett says that like, you don't invest in a business for hoping that someone will pay more for it later, right? You you invest in something, and this is actually a principle of Jeff Ward, the guy who's my co-CEO. You're not buying a business uh, in hopes to arbitrage it, right? That In hopes that someone's going to pay more for it than you buy it. You buy a business understanding that you could end up holding that business for a long time, mm-hmm. and it's got to make money. And so, you know, it's the same concept as, you know, make money in a business is a, a metaphorically getting value out of you know what it is that you have driving the car drinking the wine wearing the watch whatever it is i know i've used those three examples you know that's what it is Mm. that's right uh jeff jeff right you said his name is is he who you met back at syracuse you said that you had a buddy from syracuse who went kind of like a finance direction this was last year when we when we spoke no was that Um, him no i said syracuse I might have been talking about a high school buddy of mine who's a who I, I, I'm not going to name, but he's like a yeah, yeah. very well known guy in finance. And so now, no, I mean different. Yeah. Qs. I mean, I have a lot of friends from Qs who are, you know, successful people. Thankfully for them. Oh, so Jeff was in uh, the connection no, 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 from, no. Jeff, from is, Jeff is a, a guy we met through this this process of trying to find um, investors who would believe in us and give us the latitude that we needed and then he i mean he's proven himself that you know when you go through these business dealings uh and now i've done a bunch of you know they don't always go as smoothly there's a lot of emotions at different times and Mm. you know i always say that whenever i go into a deal with anybody buy side sell side whatever it is like things will come up where you will feel hurt by a document or a, a, a lag in communication or whatever it is and you have to remember that like we're everyone's like shooting for the same thing and that even though it might be painful at the moment you get through it and it ultimately works out if it's intended to in the best possible way so jeff was a guy his whole organization were were people i said like they were men of their word i know that that may not be the right thing to say anymore but they're like you know they're men of their word they 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 said it and the stuff happens the right way that, or the way that they, they say it's going to happen. It's not always like that. And I feel very fortunate to have them on my team. Is actually another question. Um, one of my buddies actually similar and maybe in, in a respect is also in PE and stuff. And he was kind of telling me how there's like a five year cycle where funds kind of you invest and then they close out. Is there a kind of like a similar situation with that yeah. side where you're. So, so that's, you know, that's kind of the, um, when, 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 from my understanding. So this is this is my understanding of it. With I, I would say I'm a little bit more knowledgeable than probably the average oral surgeon, but you know the, there's levels well, well, well beyond me. Um, my understanding is that what these guys uh, generally do is their investment thesis is for an X number of year period. I mean I know specifically what ours is. I'm not going to specifically speak to that, but but um, yeah, generally about five years. And there is a goal, you know, however much, you know, they plan on getting to, and it's based on, you know, they, they pose that to their investors. These are, these are, these are private equity funds that have Mm -hmm. either, um, you know, 
pension plans or private rich guys or family offices or, um, you know, uh, like college endowments or what, whatever it is that invest in their funds. And they, they say, listen, we're going to, we're going to raise a fund. It's going to be half a billion dollars and um, we're going to turn it into a two X, a three X, a four X, a five X or whatever it is. So, and they have to return that capital to their investors, of course. Uh, <laughs> Otherwise, they lose their reputation. And so, yeah, the, the goal of these situations is to build to build it. But the difference between, and I, I say this all the time, the difference between um, partnering with private equity as an oral surgeon or even as a general dentist or, or any healthcare provider is you are not just making a widget. I have friends in the frozen food business, and if, if they're in a situation where they're going to be acquired, then the acquiring company comes in, it doesn't really matter so much if they're so happy with the deal or they're not happy with the deal, right? If I'm, ha if I'm unhappy with the deal and, and how things are going, that's not going to be good, right? So you, it's, a, it's a really different kind of experience. A lot of people have a lot of fear with the private equity concept. Like, what does it really mean that everyone's out to get me and get you and whatever it is? But it's, it's a cooperation. Well, if you're with the right people, it's a cooperation like you guys a collaboration you guys are there they're dependent on us we're dependent on them we all have the same shares we all want to grow this thing and we all want to you know get to the this next point right but at the same time we as the surgeons it's our, it's our reputation if you think about it you know financially whatever wherever i am in my life for me at my point in my life my my the re, the equity in my reputation as being a person, a man of my word, a, a, a man who's providing good surgery, doing, doing, you know, good outcomes, treating people well, like my legacy is now coming into my brain as I'm hitting this age where I'm, I'm thinking about that. Like, I'm not going to, this is not going to fail on my watch. This is going to be a very successful outcome for everybody involved. And I, because it's me, you know, like it's as much as it's not me, it's the whole team. It's my, mm -hmm. I'm here talking about it i'm here you know living it day to day this will not fail on my watch this will be very successful right right yeah. i mean it has to be if, if you want legacy you're gonna you're already known as the guy you gotta stay the guy you gotta, gotta stay, stay the, the guy, guy dr yeah, yeah yeah now with pe though i mean there's you know it vests and then it becomes it expires if you will the fund changes but you were saying that you're but you're maybe not buying you used to be buying practices for riverside Right yeah, with an yeah. older surgeon, and then you bring a newer surgeon in. Now you're saying you're you're buying and bringing on younger surgeons. So right now, I'm just wondering because right now they technically be protected, right? They're under you. They're under the visionary, the surgeon. But as sometimes with private equity backing, and the investors want their money after a certain amount of period, it sells, and you're selling maybe one, a group, maybe a batch of practices. Can those young surgeons that you are bringing in, are they still protected necessarily based on where they're going? What if it's not, you know, owned by, by a surgeon in that next group? Right. Maybe yeah. this isn't it. Maybe you're just trying to buy up more practices in bulk and then you're like shaving that little off the top of each of the practices to make a tiny bit of profit, but by a large amount of quantity, that's, but I don't think that would be the. Yeah, no. So it, it doesn't really, it doesn't really work so much like that. It's, it's, um, you know, it's it's actually equivalent mm -hmm. to what we were doing just in a bigger scheme, right? So, like for instance, um, the largest practice that I bought by footprint before I had any outside investment, it was done through. T I was 
being financed by TD Bank. They were they were a great lender to me. They did it for many years. Interest rates were low. A- access to capital was easy, and we were profitable. So they were happy to loan me the money to to buy practices. Um, and so my partner Sung and I were doing that, and we we did that. The biggest one we did was three offices. And so those three offices are, are, are acquired by Riverside Oral Surgery. At the time, we were converting them all to Riverside Oral Surgeries, which we did in this case. And mm. they are now part of Riverside Oral Surgery as we, Riverside Oral Surgery, Oral Surgery Group, um, Coastal Oral Surgery, and others now uh, are part of this Max Surgical Specialty Management. Max Surgical Specialty Management at some point in the future likely will have other investors. The finance guys behind it are other investors, but the organization is still intact as an organization. Now, granted, you know, I can't speak to what's a hundred percent going to happen, but in our charter as Max, um, the clinical advisory board board is independent and autonomous as it relates to X, Y, and Z thousands of things. And so, I mean, it's, it's part of the legal documentation. It's part of the operating mm-hmm. agreement. It's part of the the LLC agreement. It's part of it. And so, I don't want to be. I don't want to speak with the naivete of like, of course, it's going to be the same. I don't. I don't know. I, and I say that, and kind of that's maybe part of the beauty of me is I really am very transparently honest about stuff like that. Or maybe it's dumb. Maybe I should be more sophisticated and try to bullshit everybody. I believe because. I still believe in that concept that the surgeons ultimately, if all the surgeons walked out tomorrow, there's no business. There's mm-hmm. zero business. So you have to keep the surgeons happy, right? You got to do right by the surgeons. So if the surgeons are unhappy, this is, this is the thing. It's mm-hmm. like when we speak to people about like partnering with us, everybody's all concerned. Like, but I've been going, able to go to my, uh, you know, my kids' basketball games or whatever it is. I want to still be able to do that. I want anyone to tell me how many patients I need to see or what my schedule needs to be or whatever. That's kind of a common thread of concern that, that established surgeons yeah. have. And yeah. I will tell you, no no one says that. There's no one looking and like saying, you, you, you can't go take the afternoon or work four days that way. No, no one cares about that kind of stuff. The only thing I could do is just be me and say no one cares. Just like I could be me and say, it's not going to happen because Ultimately, the surgeons are the product, are the talent, are like it, it's it, it can't it really just can't happen. You can't have pissed off people providing the care. You can't like you right. need to make those people happy and and you treat. I'm not saying it's like a mm-hmm. contrived thing. Make them happy so they produce. It's a it's a fact. It's like my team is so good at providing service to the patients and the referring doctors. Because we treat them well, because they're mm-hmm. they're they're motivated not by money. They're motivated because every day they come to work and they're treated like human beings, and they they get love and there's humor and there's family and there's I mean that's that's why people are treated treat people well. And I think the same thing would be the case. Again, it might be naive, pie in the sky, maybe because I'm so limited in my scope of just New York and Long Island and New Jersey. But at the same time, like I, I'm not too concerned about it. I'm really not. Yeah, I. I... The one thing is we were talking about, you know, these young surgeons come out with so much debt. They might not, they might have to take a job that they're not necessarily happy in. I, I just maybe, you know, hypothetically, and then they kind of get leveraged in where now they're getting the paycheck. They're paying back the loans. They just bought a house. They got two kids on the way, right. uh, kid on the way, whatever. And then 
might not be happy, but they can't leave. So there does kind of become, I mean, it, it's yes and no. I mean, it's hypothetical. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's real. I mean, it, it's hypothetical in the sense that it, that's a hypothetical example, but it's real. I mean, the, the fact is, is that, you know, you have, yes, people have real debt and real responsibility. And I mean, again, from my position, it may be easier to say this, um, but I don't know if we were talking about the same thing, but uh, when I was thinking about who I was going to partner with in this financial situation, I went and I visited my friend at his house in East Hampton. He's got a beachfront in East Hampton. And I'm literally sitting on the beach with him. And I was talking about, do I go with this guy? I don't, do I go with this guy? I don't know who to go with. And he was very clear about it. And this is a guy who's, you know, you know, very, very successful. He's very clear. He's like, it's all about the people. And I've been talking about that a little bit through these, these types of events. Mm. It really is all about the people. You know, talk about like, you're going to sell your business for some stupid number or some stupid number minus a million dollars, which after taxes is really a stupid number minus half a million dollars. You divide it up and you give it up or whatever. What's that? When, when you're thinking about what that is, I know that this comes out horribly, like obviously whatever, but no, like, no, 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 it, I'll, it's, I'll follow. Yeah. it's it, the money is so secondary. It's, what does your life look like after the fact? So I feel like, you know, a lot of these, a lot of young people, you can go, you can go and work at, you know, any one of a hundred different places that are going to pay you a stupid amount of money. You really could go make a stupid amount of money next year. But like, you really want to just go in schlepping teeth here, schlepping teeth there, running around and kind of being a, no. a, a slave to like that kind of thing. No, or, not at all. You know, that's not what no. you want. You, you want, I would think if I were coming out, I'm not going to put it on you. I would want to go to a place where I'm working on a <laughs> That's today. But I, I would be, you could, whatever. Um, so uh, if I were leaving residency at this point, I would say that uh, I would be looking, I mean, maybe this is a little self-serving. I'd be looking for an environment where there's mentorship and collaboration among different surgeons who have different subspecialties and, and you get together and you learn from one another and you grow and it's like a, it's like a, almost like a club you want to be in. And, and you, and like that, that's much more desirable, even oh, frankly, yeah. even if frankly, and I'm not suggesting this, but even if frankly, you're making, you know, 50 or a hundred thousand dollars less than you could. When I was, when I was starting Riverside oral surgery, I was, I was uh, working in nine different practices. I was working in the Bronx and upstate New York and down in South Jersey. And I was, I was running around. I started Riverside. I have Lisa who like, she, she was holding the cell phone and I would run up here and do whatever I had to do. Pretend I was here, the whole thing. And realistically, it was backbreaking. It was not something that was enjoyable to me to do at, at all. I didn't like it at all. I've made a, a very nice living. I mean, frankly, a, a living that I could probably continue to live on today happily, but it was definitely not a good lifestyle. And I get people have loans, they're young, maybe you're not attached, maybe, you know, whatever. You, you can do that and run around for a couple of years, but very quickly you burn out from that and you want to kind of have a home, settle, plant roots. I'm not talking about family though, that too. You want to plant roots and develop a reputation build your story. You know, when I was 35 years old, I had ju I started Riverside. I was 33 years old. I had no clue what was going to happen with it. I was trying to build, you know, I, I coined this optimal patient experience each and every time that has been redefined a thousand times. It's been elevated. It's changed with technology and what patients expect and all of that. But I wanted to build the best possible oral surgery practice. Mm. 
And I, and I, I think I did that. I mean, I, I, I really do think that we provide exceptional care. Forget Max, which also is exceptional. But, you know, what we were able to do as far as delivering care, it, it was, it was, it is great. And it continues. There's nothing since we've done the deal. There's nothing that has changed as it relates to that. Maybe the phone tree is a little more complicated, frankly. But other than that, it's, there's really, you know, I'm still using whatever implant, you know, everyone is, whatever implant, whatever bone graft. We don't use the same, like I use Strauman. These guys use Zimmer or ZimV. You know, these guys use Nobel. No one cares. You just, no one is like, it's all about delivery of, of great care. Right, right, right. And I mean, of course, it still is Max, but you were focused on a Riverside. Riverside set the foundation for Max. I mean, that's where it really sprouted, right? Um, yes. Two quick questions as far as that goes. What age did you have your first daughter? Because you said 33 was about the age when you started Riverside. And then the other question was, when you're running around for those between 29 and 33, in order to gain some cash, right? You said you're working like nine different offices. You're probably working seven days a week. Did right. you need that capital that you were making then to kind of start Riverside? Or what you're recommend, recommending is even fresh out of the gates, take a little bit less off uh, the salary to get into that environment for mentorship, for learning, for the optimal practice experience that ultimately in residency we're waiting for. Yeah. Um, do, do you see what I'm saying? So, so when I started, I, I when I started out, I came out of residency again. I was at Kings County. I came out of residency. I worked for immediately for two of my attendings, um, a guy named Andre Stein and another guy named David Blank. They practiced on 34th Street, Park and Lex. I lived in the city. I thought I was gonna. I thought I was like, well, what's better than being uh, a Manhattan oral maxillofacial surgeon? I'm gonna like live this fancy life. Like this was like this kind of thought. My thought process. I worked there. They were good to me. They 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 gave me a lot of uh, you know latitude. They gave me a lot of uh, they gave me a lot of support, but it really wasn't the right place for me. So I started working part time for a guy in New Jersey in Teaneck, and he quickly quickly um, was basically giving me more giving me. I, I was seeing more patients and earning more in about a day and a half a week than I was in my full time job uh, with these two guys, and. The day that they offered me partnership, which was, they were true to their word, they offered me partnership a year after I started. I basically, it wasn't by design, but I told them that I'm going to be leaving. I'm going to move to New Jersey, set up my family in New Jersey. And I started working full-time for this other guy in New Jersey. And like many people, and I, I won't name the names, but many people, um, as associates, you're promised a lot of things and you're, you know, you're sold kind of a, I don't say a bill of goods, but the, a lot of things are told to you that don't necessarily come to fruition. And that happened to me. So I'm very, very, very sensitive to that. Um, so much so that it's probably been to my detriment from a financial perspective, because I, I generally kind of give away because I want, I don't want to ever be, I, wanna, I don't want to ever have misled anybody ever. So for me, I was kind of I don't, I don't want to say I'm misled, but because I, I don't, I, I, things just didn't work out the way that, that they should have worked out or that I perceived, which while very stressful for me in 2007, turned out to be the best possible thing for me professionally mm -hmm. because it set me on my own path. So that's really when I started working in those nine different offices. So I was in a position. So I, I had moved out to Jersey. My second daughter was born. My first daughter was born when I was 30. Um, okay. It was a different time though. It really was a different time. I got married. I was 26 years old to a, to a girl that my my wife now that I met her at Syracuse 
I didn't start dating her till I was in dental school, but she was still at Syracuse at the time. Um, and we were married for a few years, probably four or five years before we had kids. And uh, my first daughter was born in the city. We lived in the city for three years there, and then we moved out to Jersey. So in 2007, February, I left that position that I was in, had my second daughter, and moved into my new home in New Jersey. So it was a highly anxiety-provoking time for me, uh, but it turned out to be the best thing. And so it's kind of been a theme in my life. A lot of things have happened to me um, where a perceived failure or a perceived huge step back, setback has yielded a tremendous step forward. And so I, I am thankful for those times. And again, like residents, you can only look at it in hindsight. I'm thankful for the times that were tough because they were absolutely transformative for me. And, and that's, you know, that's been part of my story. You're saying some people weren't true to their work. Those, those weren't your attendings. Were, I mean, no, I, those guys were true wanna... to my, those, those guys, they oh. came, they, they delivered as promised is what I was saying. They came out and they offered me a partnership that they offered me a partnership. It just wasn't the right situation for me. Um, I felt that I could do more. I actually took a position in New Jersey with this guy, um, and I did not take a minimum. I just worked on, I said, I said, I believe in, the, in myself enough that I want X percent of everything I do. And mm. he, he agreed to it. And for years, it was great. For two and a half years, it was a great situation. I was earning a lot of money. The practice grew tremendously. I developed a really good reputation there. Um, but, you know, he, 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 he and I, he did not think that he was, let's just say that sometimes you can be around people who kind of take a little bit of the spotlight. And if your ego isn't strong enough, then it could be intimidating to you. And, right. and so it, it's, um, I think, I think if I read it psychologically, that's probably what it was. And again, fortunately I was able to start my own practice and, and it, he was, I say this, I speak about this a lot. Like, for me, you have to kind of manufacture a chip on your shoulder a lot. Like, it's, I like, you know, no one believes in me, whatever it is. Like, you know, this is how I've driven myself to become mm -hmm. more successful. And he was like to prove to him, like, you know what, you, you promise you, whatever, I don't need you. I'm going to do it on my own. Um, and frankly, I don't even think about him in any, in, in any competitive way anymore. You know, I think of him, I only wish him well. I've seen him many, many times for his family and his, his life. And I, I really do wish him well. At that time, I was angry, embittered. I was, I was, I, I literally was, I set out to build this practice to, you know, show him like, I, I don't need him. And, Clean and, it off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it worked out. What, it's working. what was that percentage that you, you asked him for? If I can ask, if I can ask. I think at the time I wanted just 45% of every single thing that I did. And now look, I will tell you now looking at it. So when you work in a, this is a, just a nuts and bolts thing. When you're working in a general yeah, yeah, dental please. practice, um, working for 50% is appropriate, right? So you, you should, mm -hmm. you know, if you're going to go take out teeth in a general dentist office, you should get 50%. You should get 50% because of the fact that they're not going to, they're not going to keep that stuff in their office unless you're doing it. And so you, therefore you deserve that. It's all found money to them, right? I mean, that, that's basically mm -hmm. what it comes down to. But if you're working in an oral surgery practice, you're being fed the patients. So there's overhead, there's staffing, there's cost of materials, there's there's all kinds of things that figure into it. So, you know, something in the 30s or something like that is more of an appropriate percentage. 
maybe 40, maybe, but not really. But, <laughs> but if, if you, if you're thinking about what I did was I said, I don't want any, I don't know if it was 45. I, that's what my memory is. Sure. But yeah, I yeah. think it was 45%. And I was like, I don't want anything guaranteed, not even a dollar. I mean, listen, I had the ability to have seen as a part-time guy what that looked like. So I knew I was going to do better than even any guarantee would have given me. But, I, and I believed in myself and I saw what was happening in terms of referring doctors asking for me and patients coming back to me and, and all of this kind of stuff. Um, but it, it was, it was a good situation. I mean, I, I was earning a very good living at a young age and, and it was, it was good. As far as starting my own practice, I went out and I, I just, I, I took a loan. I went to this company called Matt's Go at the time. I don't even know if it's still around. Guy believed in me, you know, very few dental practices fail. So there's a, mm. there's a, mm. there's a, a willingness to loan. Um, I looked at, you know, a different bank of America. There were a couple of different programs at the time, but I went with this company called Matsco. Again, I don't know if it's still around. And, uh, and I took a loan, I refied it eventually. And then when I bought my second practice, third, and then we worked with TD, they were very, very, very good to me. Um, and again, money was very cheap. We were borrowing money at three, three and a half percent buying practices. I mean, it was, it was, Ooh. yeah, it was easier, much easier. It's much more difficult now. It, it is, you know, the, the cost mm. of money is, is, is significant. The cost to build the practices is significantly oh. more. First practice I built, you know, uh, is where I'm sitting right now. So I have 1500 square feet, three ops, a consult room, a kitchen, a recovery room, front desk area, a couple of bathrooms. I don't know, maybe it cost me, not even, including the technology and the cabinetry, which is separate from the build cost. Mm maybe half a million dollars to build the the whole office out the same office yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe this office would cost 1.3 or four with everything in right. right now. Right. That sounds, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's, and then think about the cost of carrying that capital 1.3 or four, even if you're doing interest only for the first, you know, year or whatever it is to, to make it easier to pay it back. It's tough. I and mean, you gotta, you gotta pay a staff. You got to take the. I'm not suggesting you don't do it. I, I'm. I'm not. Just understand that. I actually think yeah, that the yeah. right person can start a practice on their own and be a differentiated source. But it's harder now. It's harder. It definitely is harder. For sure. It does sound hard. Personally, yeah. I'm, I'm looking for partners. I want to find a way yeah. group. Just exactly what you said. Willing to take a little bit less money in order to get more mentorship and right. kind of get brought into some kind of vision. Looking yeah. for a place with with actual vision. I, I've I've talked with a dozen or so practices, maybe about 11 practices throughout the rest, but there's some that don't really have vision there. And I mean, yeah. you, you understand this, you pick up on it. It's another language that you talk, you know, if they're looking for the future or if it's like, okay, it's time to pack it in stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, but it's, again, it's, it comes down to people. It, it really does. I mean, there, there are guys, there, there are guys out there, men and women who are, who are exceptional oral surgeons, but they're, they're, you know, it, it, when I was a kid, when I, when I was a kid, when I when I came out, it was I'd go into these offices and there was this like sliding thing and the old woman sitting at the front doctor's office. And like you, you probably don't even know from this reference, but it was like this old paneling and it was like horrible. It was the most uninviting thing. And, and literally, I'd buy the fish these practices. Tank, the fish tank. Yeah, of course. And and I'd buy I'd buy these practices and I'd knock down the walls and it would be open living and everyone was kind and sweet and the lights were brighter and it was just cleaner and we weren't charging like, you know, 
to use American Express, it's another, you know, 3.5% or this bullshit, like, you know, whatever, because you're pissed at the insurance companies or whatever. Like that whole, like, angry, you know, old school mindset. So you'll probably do people probably, let's say, 10, 15 years older than me who are who are looking to bring in the younger guy. But also remember this, and I, and I would say, like, this would be me advising you. You know, we're already in a position where we have investors, outside investors, but we're running the business. Um, a lot of guys are like, you know, we're still independent. We're proud to be independent, whatever it is. Um, and that is true. I would say many of these people are proud to be independent, like I was. Like, we brought on associates before we took on private equity. And when I was talking to them, I was being real. Like, I'm not selling to a DSO. That was my standard answer when I was being asked about it. Um, mm. And we didn't sell to a DSO. We took on outside investors. And frankly, to the associate, it really shouldn't matter. Like, are we taking a loan from a bank or are we backed by private bankers? Like, it, the mm. difference shouldn't be significant in your brain. But you should just understand that, you know, all these guys are being courted, every single one of them, every single mm. day. We get, I get, people who are not doing their homework, I get an email or a text or a LinkedIn poke or whatever, like, oh, you're interested in selling your practice or whatever it is. You, you know, I'm like, just look at my thing on it, LinkedIn. Like, clearly I'm not right now, you know? So, but what I'm saying is a lot of these guys, when, when the money is right, they, they are, they're, they're interested. So, yeah, just, you know, just be aware. Yeah. No, it's it's interesting, and I do appreciate you being able to take the time. And, and I wanted to switch gears real quick before we we run out of time here. So there were a couple sure. of questions, a couple of, a couple of fun questions. Also, what what's a good wine recommendation that you have? You're more experienced and know wine better than myself. What's what are you drinking lately? Uh, I, I drink primarily Italian wine. I'm a Brunello guy, a super Tuscan guy. I I, I shouldn't even say that. So so I I drink a lot of vodka now so i'm trying to drink less wine because less sugar like i'm trying to be like you know of course healthier yeah. whatever it is um just so you know this isn't just like some douchebag hundred dollar bill here this is i made a bet with show that when we get to the bottom of the state that that i get my i get the hundred dollar bill so just if anyone's oh, like cool, cool. so that i didn't even that. see that yeah, yeah. so <laughs> it's the i'm like looking at this there. over my shoulder i'm like that seems a little whatever um <laughs> so so uh the, so wine, what I what I like is like I said, Brunellos, but Brunellos can get to be a little bit expensive. There's a there's a a winemaker named Biondi Santi that is a Brunello, but they also make a Rosso that is more to use a to use a term that might come off as like a little whatever. It's a little more approachable in the concept of like you know you can buy it at a normal price and enjoy it and drink it, um, and so that's. That's, I'd say that would that'd be my recommendation. Or Poggio de Soto. Poggio de Soto or, mm -hmm. or uh, Biondi Santi. And they're both, they're both special. And I, I love them both. Okay. I'll be, I'll be trying them out. I, you're very careful with these words. Like before you were saying uh, the man kept his word. And, and then now you're saying the approachable. No, it's, it's interesting because you do have to be, we have to be very conscientious of. Yeah, like it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a thing. It's the, it's a, it's the uh, unfortunate reality because a lot of the things that you say, you're not intending to say with any negative connotation to it. Right. I mean, there's, you know, when I say right. a man of his word, I'm not insinuating that only men can be of their word, but it's, you know, it's, 
it's it, it's it, expression. It, it, it it's is what expression. it is. It is what it is. I mean, it's all love and positivity. You know that about me. I hope you know that about me. I hope most of my oh, yes. audience knows about that. I really, I just think everyone should just live and let live and enjoy and peace and love and happiness and all that shit. I really do believe that. So that's that's how I feel. Is it? I, I and I'm on the same page. I, I really am. It any beer or is it only vodka and a little bit of wine? Uh, so I, I, you know, it's funny. I, I like beer. I, I just don't know a lot of different, like, you know, like a lot of my boys are like, Oh, what IPAs do you have? And I never know the names. So, you know, I like, I like, um, I, I tend to be kind of a, more of a Pilsner guy. Like it's, which is weak, I suppose, mm. but the, I, I like, like, give me a Miller light and I'm happy. Like Miller light in a long neck <laughs> bottle at some like dumpy bar. I'm just as happy <laughs> as some fancy, like esoteric, 7.8%. I, I don't know from that at all. Um, I mean, I can, I can order it and drink it and enjoy it, but, but no, yes, for me, it's, it, this is, it's all seasonal and, and mood dependent, but I drink, um, I drink vodka on the rocks, typically Tito's mm -hmm. on the rocks, either, it's gotta with, be Tito's. either it's gotta be Tito's. of course, either with an orange wedge or olives. Sometimes I'll drink with olives, never dirty, mm. but with olives. Um, I will drink tequila on the rocks. Like I, te I tend to be a reposado on the rocks guy if I'm going to be drinking tequila. Oh, wow. oh, um, yeah. Or I will drink like a bourbon on the rocks. I don't usually like a mixed drink because I usually find them to be a little too sweet. And whenever I kind of go off the range to get uh, a, a, like a mixed drink on a menu or something, I don't care for it. I do like Negronis at the right time, but you can't really okay. only have more okay. than one. I always yeah, love the yeah. idea of ordering a Bloody Mary, but it's too heavy for me, too thick. And, you know, it's it not be like as, a meal sometimes. It yeah. is. It is. Yeah. Um, and that's those are my drinks. So, okay. So, all right, let's go with me a little light then. One of the, I'm leading into this question. One of the questions oh, okay. was, it was about Guinness, but let's say, let's say Miller Lite. How many Miller Lights can you slam in, in exactly 16 minutes? Um, I, I don't know. I, I, think it, I, I think if I, if I was being forced to drink, like when I was pledging, I probably could, I probably you could. You were yeah, of course. When of I, course, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we got kicked off campus my sophomore year. Uh, or no, second semester, freshman year. That's how shitty it was. We got kicked <laughs> off campus. Yeah, yeah. Um, you were in it for like six months, not even six months. Yeah, not even, not even. <laughs> no, it, was, it, was, it, it was embarrassing. But it was great. I mean, some of my closest friends are from my house. Um, probably, let's go with today, probably 16 minutes. Had to, six. I could do six. I could, yeah. I in could do sixteen six. minutes. That's not yeah. bad. Yeah, dude, I'm a big guy. You been, you, know? you been, you been practicing? Was this a... No, 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 no. <laughs> but, but yeah, I could do six. I, I could probably do six at this point. That's shots not of, bad. I'll, I would just, have I'll to, go shots yeah. of Jaeger. Shots of Jaeger is a different thing. I'll do it. Still, I could do shots of Jaeger. I, I would prefer the the beer chugging personally. I could do shots of Jaeger though. How oh, many man. can you do? Oh. Sixteen minutes. I would get very close, but so the question I would ask: Could you put it in like bigger glasses? I could probably get eight to nine, and if I if we were to do it, because then you get the fizz out of there a little bit. Yeah, and yeah, just yeah. Go down. Well, Guinness is different. Although the the thing about Guinness mm. is those who don't drink Nitrogen. Guinness, then well, if if you drink Guinness, you know Guinness is a relatively light beer taste wise. 
right? Mm. It looks mm. heavy, but it's it's relatively light. So you probably could do. I mean, I got a couple more. Guinness. A lot of Guinness. Yeah, a lot of Guinness. I'm finding a lot of guys in oral surgery are Guinness fans. I didn't realize this. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. This guy's not a he's a yeah. he's a CFO kind of guy. Not my CFO, but he's oh, a CFO. Yeah. yeah. He's a good. Another question we got here, just a few more. I know you how busy you are tonight. I really don't. I have something I have something in, in a little while. It's it's another it's a meeting with a doctor whose practice we want to partner with, actually. So I got some time. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Very good stuff. Okay. Five minutes. How do you keep your hair so beautiful amidst all those scrub caps? Did you wear a scrub cap today? No, I didn't wear a scrub cap today. I used to never wear scrub caps um, at all, but now I now I do. This this sometimes I'll wear. This is from. What is this? Uh, the, <laughs> it's a Barbie beautiful scrub Barbie. cap. It, sorry, it's no, it's what it's uh, Tooth Life Irene. Do you know this woman? She's on Instagram. She's a hygienist. She's a restorative hygienist from Canada, from Toronto. Um, mm-hmm. She's brilliant, actually. We've had her speak for us in our some of our conferences. She sells these. She makes this Tooth Life Irene. Um, and I think it's like breast cancer awareness kind of concept. It's got to be, right? With yeah, the pink. Yeah. I'm yeah, a big yeah. fan now. So I'm a big it. fan. I keep it. I, I just I go like this a lot. I just go like this a lot. It's, it's just my hair, you know. Just it's, a little tuft? Just would you ever go back to the man bun? I would go back to the man bun. I like the, no, I have you to, would not. Yeah, yeah. Don't I like the, me. I like the man bun. I like the man bun, um, but I have to lose like another twenty pounds if I want to wear the man bun because it, it you got to look oh. you got to look a certain part. But the man bun um, was a good time for me. It was it was not a, not the mullet, but the man bun was a good time for me. I agree. I agree. The mullet's no good. Believe it or not, I actually just cut my hair yesterday for the first time in two years. It was down in my back. So the I, man bun, I'm with you on that. Yeah, what was yeah. that? I, I, I realized this as I was sitting here with you. <laughs> it looks good. It, it definitely looks good. It, it's all right. I do the, I do the pop it up too. But but the man bun, I, I got to agree with you. It's It's like... It works for working out. I like to do the man bun runs working out. So I, I, I hear you on you. Yeah, the mullet... No, the mullet's a no go. It will come back oh. though. It will. I mean, I won't be there when it comes back, but it will. Co- <laughs> the mullet, the mullet will make a return. It almost certainly will, like everything does. It really uh, will. Last summer, I saw a couple mullets. I'm talking like 13, 14 year olds though. Early yeah. on in high school, it was yeah, a little like the lacrosse guys, maybe baseball too. I could see that. I could see that. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, it, it was in that group. It was in that group. Did you know before dental school you wanted to do oral and maxillofacial surgery? I did not know. I did not know. When, um, when I went to dental school, I thought maybe cosmetic dentistry, whatever that meant. I, again, I didn't know what that meant. Um, uh, or maybe orthodontics or something like that. I had a very positive experience with my orthodontist growing up, and I was thinking lifestyle more than anything else. Um, I My introduction to oral surgery came kind of uh, – by chance, like many things that have happened to me, I found myself in the basement clinic. Uh, Dr. Carlos was down there running the honors program at the time. And I just like, I was drawn to it. I was like, I, I loved it. I, I, I met this guy, uh, Dr. Kalman at the time. He was like hmm. four foot nine in every direction, the kindest, best old school oral surgeon. And he basically walked me through exodontia and Carlos was is probably the reason why I am an oral surgeon. And so I recently saw her when I was with, I saw her at Amos in San Diego. Right. Um, and 
and yeah, I, I kind of fell into it and I had an aptitude for it. I really did. Like I was good at taking out teeth and a lot of kids in dental school didn't want to. So I was like the traveling exodontist in all the clinics at NYU. And it, it, it was good for me. It fits who I am. Like I see a problem. Mm. I want to quickly fix it and I want to move on from that problem. <clears throat> so it, it works for me. It works. It really does. And then I love that. It, I mean, you could tell, I mean, it's a personality thing it, it, as far as oral surgery go, the exodontia, it, it seems like, you know, you kind of mold your way through the four years of dental school into what you just end up doing forever. Right. How did the brand, this is another question I got, these were submitted. How, how did you create the bloody tooth guy brand? And I know we went over this a year ago, but this is for the audience asking Susan, Susan, Hey Susan. Uh, so I was sitting here where I'm currently sitting now and across the way was sitting Sung Cho, my partner. And we were talking just about the fact that, you know, that he, he wasn't on Instagram yet. I have, remember I have teenage daughters, now, late teenage daughters now. So this was, this was, uh, seven years ago that I started in 2015. And it seven? I th- it had to be at least a few, really? February I thought it was 20th, like 13, 2015, 2015. So, really? wow. yeah, yeah, February. And, and so I said, people are interested in seeing, and there was no, there were very few oral surgeons, dental um, pages at all. And maybe, you know, even fewer healthcare, well, probably more healthcare, I suppose. But I, but Dr. Pimple Popper was a thing who I mm. respected. Um, and I was like, if this woman can pop pimples and people are going to look at it, maybe I can put bloody teeth. So I came up with this name because I have a friend whose daughter, who's still my daughter's best friend, uh, had a stuffed animal named the Broken Tail Guy. And it, it was because the elephant that was the stuffed animal had a broken tail. She called it Broken Tail Guy. And I thought it was just, it sounded great. It, like the, the, just the actual, like the, 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 I guess it would be a word for it. I just don't know the word, but basically, so I was like, okay, broken tail guy, blah, 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 whatever, bloody tooth guy. And so I put it up there. I started taking pictures of bloody teeth and it was just, if you look they're all still on the feed. If you look at some of my early stuff, it's just like the blue mat, you know, drape mm. or whatever with a bloody yep. tooth sitting on it. And as Instagram was looking for content and evolving into video and more artistic stuff, I was there and, and they loved me at the time. They were, they were probably feeding me to everybody. And, and, you know, I, I gained all those followers. There was, I never paid for a follower, not once. Now more followers are not seeing my shit because it's all, you know, content is, um, uh, whatever it's, it's being blocked out yeah, of sensitive warnings and stuff like that. But that's, that's how it happened. And then I mixed, I missed the, the TikTok boat because I felt like no one wants to see a big middle-aged dentist dancing, but I didn't realize that I could have turned you my audience into something. It's, I mean, <laughs> I can dance fairly well, but like, I oh, don't really, yeah, I can dance fairly well. I can dance fairly let's, well. Let's say a Susan. <laughs> Does Susan know my dancing techniques? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I can dance fairly well, but, um, but, the 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 fact is is that I, I missed the TikTok thing, which is okay, and, and I just don't have the bandwidth to do all those things like the YouTube. You do so and much. The, the, I, I just can't. I just I can't do it so much anymore. You know, I have so Good, much yeah. to do. Yeah. Because Instagram's kind of it makes sense for you know you're you're not you just took out four wisdom teeth. They're right there on the tray. You set them up. You put a light on it. You take the photo. You post it. But then if you were to do TikTok, then you got to plan out. 
yeah. some kind of video take, taping, maybe clipping it so you're, you take out the ums, the ahs. It, it does take a little bit more work. Yeah. Editing, and a, actually, mm-hmm. my nature is to be able to sit and talk about almost anything at any time. But if you ask me to prepare a talk for anyone, are, are, um, sorry. So uh, I don't even remember what I was saying now. You screwed with me. My nature is to yeah, be but... able to. My nature is to be able to talk about shit, but I can never prepare for anything at all ever. Mm-hmm. So for me to have a like powerpoint slides and shit like that or a tiktok you, the, yeah. it's just not who i am and so yeah actually part of the beauty of being my age is i don't give a shit that it's not me anymore when people ask me to talk lecture and stuff like that i tell them listen i'll come and i'll talk about anything i don't you don't need to prepare me what questions i'm going to get whatever i'll just talk about it just i need a moderator or i'll sit on a panel or something like that but i won't i can't possibly give a talk it's just not who i am why haven't you started a podcast? This is the perfect thing for you because you're a, you're a TV personality. You are, and then you you're great. You're articulate. Maybe not TikTok, maybe like a YouTube channel podcast. But then when you have time to do this when stuff, can I do that? when can I do? This is an odd moment that I have. This there was a break in my schedule, and I was like, okay, that's good that I have a break. I mean, you said. I mean, typically, I mean, I just hung up with someone to do this, and then now I have. Oh, I have two minutes. I have two minutes. Two minutes. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Well, well. While we're still here, I yeah. want. I also wanted to thank Megan. I mean, we've been playing this for a month and a half, two months now, and yeah. Megan has been fantastic all over she's, the place. She's, she's awesome. one of your OGs, right? She's she's been with us a long time. She came from um, LVMH. She was um, she she was in uh, Bulgari. She she's great. She's exceptional at what she does. Um, unbel- she's you know she's involved in you know she, like you know, acqui- like talent acquisition, if you will, right? Surgeon recruitment. And so mm-hmm. she is unbelievably caring and honest and knowledgeable and energetic and capable. And she's got, she's got a ton of amazing qualities and I, I'm lucky to have her for sure. On the phone call, I really, yeah, that was, that I had with her. I could pick that up right away. I yeah. mean, she's energetic. She's super enthusiastic. She is a team player. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and I can't thank her enough for setting this up. I really appreciate you being able to take the time too. I, I, I'm I very grateful. This is, I mean, if you were, I don't know if you could, but if you were to think of yourself while you were back in residency to be able to talk with one of the greats, it, it, it really does mean a lot to me. And I want you to know that. I appreciate that. I, I mean, I, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. And it's great to speak to you. And frankly, like I've said to you, I've been watching you for a while and watching you develop and, and see, I have, I think, I think you're great. I, I told you this. I, I think, I think you're great. And what you do is impressive. And the fact that you are, you know, as committed to it as you are, and you've built your audience and you're clearly knowledgeable and the clinical side of things and the, the, the lifestyle side of things. And it's, uh, it's very impressive. So especially given your time constraints as a resident for real, I mean, I know what that's all about. So yeah, I, I mean, thank you for that. I, I look forward to, you know, watching and, and learning and seeing. You know, for sure. And we'll see where it all goes. Yeah. I will One see you soon. One never knows. One never knows. I'll be I'll seeing s- you soon. I will see you soon. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. 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 Exactly. All right, Dr. But thank all you right. again. Thank you so much. Oh. Appreciate everything. Take care. Thank you.